Blog Talk Radio. Yellow. All right. Welcome to the show. Yellow. It is Tuesday, Wednesday night. It is 9.30 p.m. It is time for Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. Welcome to the show slash podcast slash live happening. And uh, let's get right underway. we got a big show. We're going to be joined by Matthew Cerrone from MetsBlog.com a little later on in the show to talk about the Mets and stuff and blogging and all that kind of stuff. Uh He's, uh, we've been trying to get him on the show for a long time. We're pretty excited to have him. He'll be in the second half of the show. Um, if you're listening at home, welcome to the big show. Crack a beer. Do whatever it is. Have a glass of Chardonnay. Whatever you like. We don't judge. We're not here to judge you. We are here to uh, talk a little bit about sports, talk to each other. And to do that, I'm going to need to bring in uh, the co-host, the the uh, wiener to my schnitzel. <laughs> The ying to my yang, the man, the myth, the legend, Cal, Calniva, Calpino, Caliente, Brian, Calvi. Hello, brother. Hey, you know, you know, you never use wingman. I always want to be, I always wanted to be a wingman. You want wingman? I'll give you wingman. I can go with that. Yeah. The my, but but you know, wingman denotes uh, the idea that you're somehow lesser than me in this equation. Oh no. And it's ready to unload with Cal and Sam yeah. Pete. It's kind of like Mike and the Mad Dog, though, where the oh, Mad Dog so? did a lot of the talking. Yeah. Right, right, exactly. And I do – so what you're saying is I do a lot of the talking. Well, I, it's not what I meant. Sure it is. I, what? Huh? How are you, Steve? <laughs> I'm doing well, uh, Cal. I, I'm ecstatic that baseball is back. I'm enjoying that. Uh, we had a lovely 42-degree uh, day today with cold rain later in the afternoon, so yeah. – Nice. You really feel like baseball is back. It's in the really air. Spring fever. Yeah, catch it. I love it. It's hot. Um, how are you doing? We need a uh, a Girl Scout cookie update. Girl Scout cookie update. Cookie cake. Cookie update. Well, there's nothing really to report except that I'm still tracking down money from from those that bought their cookies. So there's a lot of people that have cookies, but they haven't given me the money. So that's that's what I'm at. Right now, I'm in the collections. Uh, <laughs> so basically, you're shaking down people for cookie money. I'm, sh- I'm shaking down middle-aged women in my office for you know four dollars for a box of Thin Mints. Hey, Marjorie, Marjorie, yeah, yeah, I see you. Yeah, I see you eating that Thin Mint. I see you eating that. Uh, uh... <laughs> Actually, the way that it works is that I send an email, and the subject line is Girl Scout Cookies dot dot dot, <laughs> and then and then it's. You owe me money. That's correct. I see you over there eating that dosey dough. Swing All right. Why are you dodging me? Why are you dodging me? 
Do you get all like Italian on them? Like, hey, oh, a little bit. I actually, I send, I send a couple of people after them. Right. You know, a couple, couple of Girl of, Scouts. I put a little heat on them. You, a couple of uh, Julia's friends to go yeah. shake them down. And they get a little, they get a little forceful, a little aggressive. Well, uh, last week, in case you missed it, uh, in last week's episode, Cal had to take a call urgently because of Cookie Gate because people were getting the wrong cookies. So I wanted to see how this is for Julia, right? This is Julia. Yep. Yeah. The brownie. And she's a she's a brownie. She's a brownie. And uh, you know, <laughs> uh, it's it, it's fun shaking people down for money for cookies. There there is crack though. There is crack. There's a crack additive in a Samoa. There's something in the cookies, but I think it's just that people can't resist uh, helping out little girls like that. You know. Right. right. So so you could be you could be selling a, a box of rocks for for all they know. They don't care. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, but you know, listen, all's well that ends well. Julia got—I don't know if we, we talked about this. She got her plush kangaroo. Yeah, we did talk about the plush kangaroo. Did, are there badges involved in this too? Oh, sure. Right, sure. She sold. I was never in Boy Scouts. I did a year of Cub Scouts, but it wasn't for me. <laughs> we don't. We don't talk about that. No, that's that, that's like the lost year. Except the Pinewood Derby. Oh, that well, that was fun. Did you get to do a Pinewood Derby? I did. It was awful. Right. My, my father, it, did you put a little Met insignia on your car? No, well, my father helped me, so you know it was a Met and Yankee car. Obviously. Right, because he can't make up his mind. He can't make up his mind. Right. <laughs> well, uh, the number to call is four two four two two zero eighteen seventeen to talk about uh, whatever we're going to talk about. We're live tonight, and of course, you can get the podcast of this after the fact. But Cal, let's get to the business at hand. A little baseball. A little baseball. A little action. Nice. Nice. Going to talk a little baseball nice? Nice. Uh, the Metropolitans got off to a 3-1 and one start. They're playing right now as we speak right. uh, in, in uh, Citizens Bank Bandbox. And, uh, Cal, you, you, you questioned the Philly Fanatics. Uh, <laughs> you questioned his uh, sexual predilections no. for other mascots. You did. I did. Well, you did. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I just wonder about him. Sometimes. Sometimes that's all. Yep. Well, I think he wonders about it himself. He's no Mr. Met. No, he's certainly not Mr. Met, who is creepy in his own right. Let's get that straight. Yeah, but he's uh, funny. Yeah, the Mets got off to a 3 and one star, Cal. Uh, they, they are losing tonight right now, I believe, 10-7. Uh, is that correct? Yeah, it's 10-7 in the top of the eighth. But they were down 7 nothing and, and showed a lot of uh, intestinal fortitude to come back and tie the game at 7. Right, a lot of moxie. They're down seven nothing early. Their ace, <laughs> ace, uh, Mike Pelfrey uh, got knocked around again tonight. Something's wrong with Pelf. We're going to talk to Matt Cerrone, Matthew Cerrone uh, later in the show, as I said, about all the Mets stuff. So they get off to a three one start. The Yankees get off to a good start uh, and then blow a difficult game last night. Uh, and Rafael Soriano, Cal, you know Cashman didn't want him. Cashman did not want him. And I don't know if you heard, he um, he left the clubhouse last night without talking to reporters after his first bad outing. Now he comes he comes with a little bit of a reputation, Mr. Soriano. That's an excellent sign. You know, he's not really this is this is the Yankee, and I was thinking about this today. This is the Yankee they had gotten away from over the last couple of years. The Kevin Browns, the Gary Sheffields, the you know the malcontents, the ones that can't handle adversity, the ones that can't handle uh, a negative situation. And let, me, let me contrast it real quick. You had Soriano, who blew a 4 nothing lead with three walks in the eighth, and he left the clubhouse without talking to reporters. Then you had Nick Swisher, 
who let the ball get by him, who stood up in the clubhouse and answered all the questions, talked about the fact that he made a mistake, he felt bad because he cost the team the game, but he owned up to it. It was my responsibility. It was my job. I made a mistake. And it's just it's interesting to look at the, the dichotomy of the two. You know what I mean? That's a fantastic point, Cal, because you you have a situation. We talked about it a lot a couple of years ago when they brought in Swisher and won a championship that they uh, and AJ Burnett before he sort of went off the off the reservation. But they but they brought in guys, Cal, that were like better guys. They were better clubhouse guys, right? You know, and and they didn't bring in. I I could even throw Randy Johnson into that mix, but you had, you absolutely have to throw him in the mix because he's ornery. He just he just straight ornery, Cal. If you if you remember, didn't didn't he knock a photographer down like his third day in New York? That's Wasn't correct. even season. That's correct. It, it was like uh, the middle of January. It was the <laughs> third day he was in the city, and he knocks a reporter down. So, and, he, and he smacked a reporter around. Yeah. So yeah, I, and, they got away from that. They you know they brought in Curtis Granderson. They brought in Swisher. They brought in Teixeira. All these guys they were bringing in different type of guys. And Soriano is again, like I said, he's the Yankee they were moving away from. So. You wonder if it's going to cause a little friction in that in that clubhouse. Well, that's a fantastic point. And nothing you like seeing more than the first sign of adversity. He storms out of the clubhouse. The very first sign. Right. The, the absolute first time, you know. And that, that goes really well in New York. Yeah, people <laughs> usually really... The media guys love that. They absolutely it, love that. Yeah, the fans also dig that, you know. Yes. They, can, they can get behind a guy that just uh, hides and doesn't answer questions. A couple things about the Yankees that I've noticed early on, Cal, and that's an, uh, an, an awesomely astute observation by you, sir. Well, thank uh, you. But I, I tip of the cap, sir. A tip of the cap, good day. Good day. Uh, but also, I, I've noticed that uh, – are we going to have this, like, Jeter watch with 3,000 hits? Uh, yeah, well, it's yeah, it's already started. Yeah, is this going to be like Panda away. watch? Right. Panda watch. <laughs> Uh, that's a little ridiculous. He seems, uh, you know, not right. Is that me? I mean, I know he's off to a slow start and stuff like that. That's a really good point. You know, you're coming off a 270 year and it was a rededication to his, you know, uh, to his workouts and his regimen and stuff like that. And Jeter's the kind of guy who, whenever he's had an an off year, he's come back and put up, you know, 2009, he came back and put up arguably MVP numbers. Was the most valuable player of the team, without a doubt, when they went back and won their uh, his fifth world championship. And you've seen him bounce back so well. And it's super early, Cal. Super early. Well, yeah. You know, we're so going to and we're going to get into it. that later too. Yeah, you can't get crazy about it, but he looks. The spring is not in the step. You know, I always I, Jeter's an interesting case, and, and we've talked about this, especially with Doctor Ray too, because Jeter is our age, roughly. Yes. That's okay. Right. Wait, he's he's exactly our age. He's exactly well. I mean, in terms of like the month that he was born. Well, you know? sa- well same year. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm older than him, but Evan is younger than him. So, it's, <laughs> right. but the point is, you know, we, he's he's like a contemporary of ours. Not that we know him or anything, but like you know, we grew up playing ball. Yep. And we're the same age as this guy who has we we've seen him grow up, in, you know, in front of our eyes. Yep. And we're watching him now head down the other end of the hill, and. It's it's just you know you take it almost a little personal like wow you know he's he's going to be 37 years old this year he's on the way down in this this wonderful career that he's had yeah um and and you wonder you know is is this the beginning of the end for him yeah we have talked about it especially because I I was still playing ball last summer I, you know still playing wood bat hardball and I'm not playing this summer so oh, is that I, true yeah 
Oh, yeah, the team the 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 band broke up, my friend. Oh no. <laughs> uh, you know, we're we're sort of scattered all over the place. We don't have a team this year. The Brew Crew is, is the Manhattan Brewers are no more, my friend. Wow. And is, uh kind of big. It's it's huge and it's also I'm feeling every ounce of the almost 37 years old I am. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm looking at Jeter trying to have this comeback here, and you're absolutely right. I've always done that with Jeter for some reason. And him. It's specifically him. That's it. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, maybe it's just because of uh, how he burst onto the scene and everything, but I've always done that as well, Cal. Mm-hmm. And now I can't imagine him playing ball. I can't imagine myself playing, you know what I mean? Like yeah. 37, I don't know. I'm not ready to hang him up. I'll tell you that, Cal. No, but but are you, could you survive a year away from it at this at this stage of your career? I don't. Okay. I don't mean well, to laugh about it. <laughs> you do mean to laugh about it. You are laughing about it. The oh, air well. quotes are out. Listen, I moved over to softball a long time ago, so I'm not. I can't judge. You're judging a little bit. I'm not. I am not. You are judging McJudgerson. I'm not in a position to judge. I might no, be judging, <laughs> but I'm not in a position to judge. But the truth is, it was starting to get away from me last year, Cal. You know, you're starting to play against 21, 22-year-old kids in these summer leagues and stuff like that, and some kid's blowing 84-mile-an-hour cheese by you, and he should not be blowing 84-mile-an-hour cheese by you. Boy, that sounds just pornographic. But, (laughs) you know, you should be able to catch up to an 83-mile-an-hour fastball. And so I started to see it last year. I can't imagine to bring this back to to DJ. I can't because we're boys. I can't imagine – what that must be like, Cal, to to suddenly have your skills start to go on you. It's not gradual. You're on the biggest stage in the world. You're you're one of the most famous athletes in the world. And on a nightly basis, it, it, it might start exposing you that your your skills are diminishing because of age. Well, you know what happens. Watch. I don't like watching it. It, it is hard to watch, and it ha- but it happens to everyone. It happens to all players, but for some reason, and it just goes back to what we were talking about, we have this connection with Jeter. It's probably because, you know, we, he's the guy in New York. If you, well, if you think back to, to 15 years ago when he came up, everybody else is gone. You know, they, they're either gone to other teams or, they're, you know, Generation K. They were another group that burst onto the scene. They were our age, and in three years, they were all gone. That went well. That went really well. That, but, was um, that was like New Coke. That that went very very well. That's the Mets version of New Coke. Is Generation K. It's it's yeah. a, it's a sad sad footnote. Yeah, they just in history. You know, but, but no, you're absolutely right. It's it's they he burst onto the scene and everybody else is gone. But did you did did you see Cal that he and Posada and Rivera? I think it's it, it's the longest that when they were all on the opening day roster. And in the, and they all played on opening day. It's like the first time three players have played 17 years in a row or 16 wow. years in a row on yeah, the same team on opening day. That's unbelievable. It's ridiculous in this, in this day and age. In this day and age. It's, it's, it's really day and age. <laughs> Let me ask you a question real quick. Yeah. Do you say in this day and age or this day in age? Day and age. It's day and age, right? Right. That's what it is. You have the people that say in. A lot of people say in. Day this and day age. and age. Right. But it's end. You know what else you get? Uh, when someone passes away, I'm sorry for your loss. No. Who says that? I've heard, I've heard that on more than one occasion. Are and you at first, Yeah, and at first I, I did the same thing. You're right. That, 
that's you're not supposed to say that. And then I thought about it. Well, you know what? The person you have lost a person. You're lost. Well, it's not like the keys. I mean, you didn't misplace them. I guess you could. It could work. It's a loss. Well, yeah. Uh, I I have never had anybody say to me, "Sorry for your loss." I got a lot of them. Supposedly. Supposedly is fantastic. Or supposedly. Supposedly. We, I used to know this girl, Cal. She she used to date a friend of mine, and she knew that they were incorrect. Uh-huh. Like she was an intelligent girl. She knew that they were incorrect. Right. But she said them anyway. Because she had been saying them since she didn't know they were incorrect. So she had since been corrected on them. And one was supposedly, one was the windshield factor. The windshield factor, yes. Instead of the windshield factor. And the other one was Valentine's Day. (laughs) (laughs) So supposedly, the windshield factor is really high on Valentine's Day. That's right. That's what we used to say to her all the time. There's a bunch of those. those. But day and age. And age. I work. I worked with someone who who used to say verify. I'm gonna have to verify that. <laughs> yeah, are you? Is that what you're face? <laughs> Will you verify it as well? <laughs> are you gonna do both? Yeah. So uh, the Yankees are off to an interesting start. Are they off tonight, Cal? No, they're playing. Yeah, they get. No, they actually got rained out. Not a lot of rain here in New York, but they did postpone the game. Right. It was chilly too. Very chilly. Just a, a raw April ninth. But um, but they did start the season off well. Um, and Sabathia, CC Sabathia, really has started off the season well. Yeah, he looks lights out. But he's playing for a contract, Cal. He, I, yeah, I guess technically he is. Playing for a contract extension. We talked about this when he signed this contract. You and I had this conversation that they put in an out clause. It was not on the show. We did not have the show yet. No. But they put in an out clause, and that was the only way they got him to sign with the Yankees. Well, Otherwise, yeah, he went to San Francisco you're for right. You know, uh, uh, thirty or forty million less dollars because yeah, that's if he wanted to go. If you remember back, um, he took forever to to sign that contract. Yeah, the, the Yankees yeah. blew everybody out of the water with the contract, yet he still took forever. Yep. So, no, you know you they know, put his, a parachute for him, Cal. They put in a three-year parachute. So now, it's, it's, it's an option year. I mean, is it, is it unfair to question whether or not his heart is really here? Or if he's just playing these three three years out to see what happens? I mean... No, I don't think that's unfair. I think he's come to like New York. I think he put in a safety valve right. in case he hated it here that he could opt out of the contract. Right. But it, what gets lost in the entire CC equation, and this is not because I dislike the Yankees. Okay, This is, to me, how, how baseball works. Because they have one of the strongest unions in the nation. Okay, the Major League Baseball Players Association uh, is one of the strongest unions in the nation. When CC was offered $50 million more by the Yankees, right. don't think for a second that the MLBPA was not leaning on him. Oh, absolutely. You have to take this deal. You cannot leave 40 or $50 million on the table. You'll screw it over for other guys. Right. Well, that was what happened with A-Rod with Boston. Right, six or seven years ago, he was going to take a, a, a much a deal that was much lower than than what he could have gotten somewhere else, and they said you can't do it. Right, you, you just can't do it because you're ruining, you know, you're ruining it. You're, <laughs> you're ruining, yeah, ruined. You're this, ruining it. This contract is ruined. <laughs> um, no, but uh, so that was a big part of the the Yankees getting Sabathia. He didn't choose the Yankees. I mean, no. the Yankees chose him and paid him handsomely to do so. And I think yeah. he had a parachute clause 
uh, in there, basically an option year to, if it's not going. But I think I think though Cali's come here. He's won a championship. He's won a World Series, uh, which is the same thing. Uh, he he seems to like it here. You know, he's at the Nick games. He's at the, you know he's with uh, Jay Z. He's hanging out. You know. Yeah, I I he think like being in New York, and he's pitched really really well. And I and I think that as long as the Yankees make an effort to take care of him at the end of the season, he he will certainly stay. I think he's going to want to renegotiate. I think he's going to use that out clause. Oh but no. I think no. He's, but I think he's using the out clause to just to to get a little more money out of the Yankees, not to leave New York. Right. Yeah, and, to, and you extend the contract and maybe get, you know, another two or three million extra a year. Right. You know, because 18, I mean, just not enough. Just not enough. You know, the other thing with the Yankees, too, Cal, is Teixeira off to the fast start. Unbelievable. Traditionally, the slowest starter. And you know what? I went back and looked at his numbers, Cal. He did not have a great year last year. Uh, he had a very pedestrian year for his standards. He, he did. He went 30, 100, 30 home runs, 100 RBI. Yeah, but in that lineup. You'd go thirty a hundred. Come on. I don't. Maybe a couple of years ago, <laughs> we were talking about this. <laughs> That's right. No, but uh, in that lineup, thirty a hundred is not. In, and in that ballpark, thirty a hundred is not that impressive to me for Mark to share. But he uh, hit two fifty eight. Yeah, but it's impressive when you stop to think that he did nothing in April and May. I mean, yeah, it no. essentially, it was I essentially a four month season for him, and he hit thirty home runs and drove in a hundred right. RBIs. He came he came into uh, at at the end of May. He was batting like two twenty five. Yeah, he he had a because everybody he always has a, a bad April. He had a horrible April, and then it was May first. And I remember he had a, a huge game on May first last year. That's right. And everybody was like, "Oh, yeah, of course it's May." And then he proceeded to have a very bad May, and then it was like, "Well, what's going on with him?" And right. he finished up really strong. So, taken taken in context, he had a he had a Bad year for him, but he did finish strong in the second half. Yeah. Now, uh, Burnett pitched the other day. That was one of their bigger question marks. He got a win in his first outing. Uh, looked okay. You know, looked definitely serviceable. Uh, Phil Hughes got roughed up. Cal, if you're a Yankee fan, how worried are you about Phil Hughes? Because I'm not a Yankee fan, and I'm a little worried about him. I don't know if he can be – it's too early to be worried about him, I think. You know, you think I think it's – His velocity think, was way down, Cal. Look, it's the fifth game of the year. It's the sixth game of the year. You're not even a week into the season. I think it's too early to be worried about anything. You know? All right. Worries is not I, work. Uh, perturbed, no. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm a Yankee fan, I'm going to keep an eye on his <laughs> – Yeah. If I'm a Yankee fan, I'm going to keep my eye on his next start for sure. Okay. So if worried – if full-on worried is drunk, are you a little, are you a little buzzed? Um, maybe one sheet to the wind right now. <laughs> Not two, just one. Where does that one come from? That's Ralph Kiner, I think. Three, I isn't it three sheets to the wind? Isn't that the max? Yes, you're right. It's three. So I'm one. All right, so you're one sheet to the wind with with Hughes. One of these, and days, I look, you, Cal. You got to go look at at all the uh, <laughs> all the uh, what do you call it? You know the euphemisms for being drunk. Oh, my yeah. dad my dad had one when I was a kid. I'll never forget it. The first time he said it, I was in college, which meant uh-huh. I was in that condition quite often. Right. And my dad called me up or something, and he was like, boy, you know, you called me the other night. You must have been faced. <laughs> and I had not heard the I... shortening of that. Okay. Because you know what that's, you know. Yes, obviously. So you know what that's short for. But I had not heard, and, and especially out of my dad. Like, it seemed way too hip. Right. To be coming yeah. from, from... How are you supposed to know that? Right. 
I'm yeah. like, A, uh, sorry about the phone call. And B, uh, where'd you get faced from? <laughs> Dude, he, he was faced. Um, three Sheets to the Wind is a good one. Speaking of Ralph Kiner. Yeah. <laughs> and Three Sheets to the Wind. Speaking of Ralph Martini. Uh, no, they, uh, he's throwing out the first pitch, uh, Friday, Cal. Yeah, he is. I saw that. Ralphie Martini throwing out the first pitch. And guess who will be there? Um, let's see. Who will be there? Will Jerry Seinfeld be there? Probably. Uh, you know who, uh, Jay Moore won't be there. I heard Jay him on the radio the other there. day. Oh, he was on with, uh, Boomer and Carton, right? Yeah. Um, but right. we'll be there. That's right. We're going. We will hey, be there. We'll hey, be in RT yours. RT universe. That's right. We are going to opening day. Yay. It's exciting. I'm excited. Opening day is always fun. I try I try to go every year. The only one I've missed in the last 14 or 15 years, I guess, is the first one at City Field. Is that That's, right? Yeah, I, 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 I usually go every year. That, right. I couldn't, yeah, well, and it was a night game, too, and it was just a weird situation. But, um, yeah, I always I always love opening day. At, at, I, was almost, I, I can't believe I almost said Shea. Yeah. It's the third year of City Field, and I almost yeah. had opening day at Shea. That's like saying Tampa Bay Devil Race at this point. Like, you got to – it's like we're six years into this. <laughs> we're three years into I this. I say that, too. Yeah. Devil Wait, Race. Wait, you know what? They, like Cali- California Angels all the time. Yeah, well, that, they've changed that 37 times, though. Yeah, but I always go back to California baseballs. Not baseballs, angels. <laughs> California baseballs. Well, I'm looking, at, I'm looking at what PJ wrote. Accepting the award for worst – Team name ever. The nominees are California Baseballs. Why not? That would be a good team name. For who? <laughs> Maybe for like a video game. I don't know. For California Baseballs. That would be like if my kids were playing backyard baseball on the That's Nintendo. <laughs> That's correct. It's the California Baseballs, the New York Outs, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> the Minnesota Innings. Right. The Hartford Hits. Oh boy! Hey, uh, let me go back. I want to go back to Teixeira real quick. Go back to Teixeira. Who's stopping? Oh, yeah, nobody's stopping me. I'm going back because I heard I was again on the radio. They were interviewing him this morning on on WFAN here in New York. Mm-hmm. He brought up a very interesting point about why he always starts slow. And what you always hear about um, Teixeira starting slow is that it's in his head. It's mental. Right. You know what I mean? It's got to be a mental thing. It's in his head. It's psychological that when it's April, he starts slow. And he says, that's ridiculous. And he came right out and said, that's ridiculous that that would be the case because it's like I look at the calendar and all of a sudden I can't hit. He says it wasn't that it was mental. And this, is, this was the very interesting point that he brought up. He's a switch hitter. So he works twice as hard in spring training because he's got to get his swing down from both sides. Okay. You know, so by the time the season rolls around, he's already worked, you know, that much harder than most players to to try to perfect that swing from the left and the right side. So it takes him a little bit more time to get, you know, to get back into the (laughs) swing of things. Wow. I I didn't, you know. Okay, a couple things. One, what a bunch of nonsense. About what he said? Yeah. Really? I thought that was a pretty good point that I had never He's thought of. He's a professional baseball player. He hits year-round. Yeah, he, he makes does. $17 million a year. Does he not have a cage in his house? Well, he does. So how hard does he have to work? Go in there and hit for 20 minutes at night. 
right. I mean, I don't, I don't, I certainly don't think it's because it's, you know, the calendar terms April and he just can't hit. Right. You know, maybe one of the things I read, Cal, I don't know if you saw this, was that uh, A-Rod said, you know, he's off to the fast start because he worked harder. And, you know, kudos to him for changing up his workout regimen in the off season. I think maybe Mr. Teixeira was, you know, knocking back a couple of Kerr's lights. And, uh, you know, oh, what's what, what what's today? February 1st? I better get in a cage. You know, I mean, I, he hits all year round. I, I know. I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. I refuse. No benefit, no doubt. No, I just I, that seems like a lame excuse to me. I well, you know, it just when when he explained it, it, it was like, oh, that makes a little sense. But uh, I, like, I I I just don't see how at this point in his career, what is he like, thirty years old? Yeah, you know, he's been getting ready for spring trainings for nine years, maybe eight I'm a nine bumpkin. years. You're not a bumpkin. Maybe 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 I'm just naive, but I I liked his explanation. I I just think I think A Rod's is closer. I think it's like uh, he realizes that he continues to get off to slow starts and he had to do a little more this off season to, uh, to make sure that he didn't get off to a slow start. So maybe he, you know, took an extra, he was saying he was taking swings and taking more swings and working on his swing. And we all, and he also stopped lifting as many, you know, he he reduced the amount of weights that he lifted in the off season too. Well, that's another thing. I mean, that's, you know, that, that was probably helpful too, you know? Well, Hey, I I bought into it. He's 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 very well spoken, Mark. You bought it, huh? I bought it. Yep, hook line and stinker. Hook line hey, and stinker. Hey, what about the around the league? You want to go around the league a little bit? I do, I do, but I want to I want to grab this first, Cal, real quick. Please. We would be absolutely remiss, and we're going to talk about the Mets, and we're going to talk to Matthew Sarone from MetsBlog.com at ten uh, around ten twenty, I think, Cal. Yes. Uh, which, if you're listening to a podcast of this show later in the week, means absolutely nothing to you, uh, unless for, unless for some reason you're listening at ten o'clock on the day that you're listening to this right now. <laughs> right. If it's if it's ten o'clock right now, then then that'll make sense. But anyway, Matthew Cerrone coming up in a bit, and uh, we're going to talk to him about the Mets who lost tonight uh, to fall to three and two, but fought back. Good ball game. We'll talk about that with Matthew. We'll also talk about blogging. We'll talk about how he got started with MetsBlog.com, which has become the Cal, to me, it's become the model of how to basically turn an online hobby into a career in sports. Yeah, it's terrific. It really uh, is. Yeah, so we'll, we'll talk to him in a bit. But before we go to that, Cal, I'm sorry, but we got to bring up Cashman. I mean, because we talked about Brian Cashman on – Oh, that's before. right. Uh, and, and the idea that Brian Cashman, for those of you who don't know, uh, last week came out and insinuated – over the weekend, I guess it was, right, Cal? Uh. It was a Friday or Saturday, yeah. Right. Well, we had talked about how over the winter, Brian Cashman seemed to be going rogue. Like, he seemed – the GM of the Yankees was trying to get himself fired. He, well, let's, let's, let's recap the things that he did over the winter. Right. Please. Go ahead. All right. And, and I'm, I don't know if I'm going to have this chronologically correct, but first, one of the things that he did was he repelled down the side of a building. That's correct. Okay, in Connecticut for charity. Dressed as an elf. Dressed as dressed as an elf, of course. You cannot leave out the dressed as an elf part. Right, that's the one. That's one thing he did. Another thing that he did was he guest bartended at some at some function, uh, wearing a spiked blonde wig. <laughs> he was. I don't even know what he was dressed as. I don't. I don't even know. I don't even know. 
I, I mean, it was just bizarre. He did that. Then he had the comments about um, Jeter, Derek Jeter. Right. He got into a, a, a war of words with Derek Jeter and his agent, with the which cap- is like, on. which is like sacrilegious when you stop and think about it. But Cashman went right after him. Yeah. And then, of course, the Raphael Soriano comments about how he comes right out and said, "I would not have signed him. <laughs> I wouldn't have done it." Against my better judgment, we right. signed this guy. He sort of went anchorman on that one, too. He's like, no, <laughs> sir. Would I have signed him? Absolutely not. So that's, I mean, those are all of the things that he did just in the offseason. And now, Steve, let's talk about what he said on Friday. Right. So on Friday, he comes out. The Yankees uh, signed a uh, ex-Met reliever, free agent, uh, left-handed specialist, or loogie. Uh, Pedro Feliciano, who, as Met fans know, pitched every day for the last three years. I think he pitched 620 innings. That's correct. In one year. Approximately. Approximately somewhere in that area. Uh, but they signed him to a two-year, $8 million deal. And he broke camp uh, with a strained ribcage muscle or something like that, or a strain in his arm or some injury. And mm-hmm. so Brian Cashman came out and said, well, I mean, what do you expect? The Mets' use of him was abusive. Right. They abused him over the last three years, uh-huh. and uh, uh, he came out and, and basically insinuated that the Mets were not supposed to use a player under contract to try to win games. So apparently they should have been saving him. For the Yankees. For his eventual free agency <laughs> and move to the Yankees. How dare you use a player that you have under contract? Right. So the Dan Warthin, the pitching coach for the Mets, came back and said, uh, that's why we didn't sign him, jackass. <laughs> that's why we let you give him $8 million, because we used him every day, as was our right to do. And he wanted the ball every day. And he wanted he, the ball every day. He asked for it, so they pitched him every day. And then, But then Cashman, you know, trying to do a little damage control, yeah. made it even worse. He says, well, you know, they said, well, why did, why did you sign him? If, if if you were concerned, well, you know, there aren't that many lefties out there, so we kind of had to take what we could get. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. But he kind of he kind of threw Feliciano under the bus. Right. <laughs> by saying, well, he was the only one there to take, so we had, you know, we had we had to give him $8 million. Is Brian Cashman trying to continuing to try to get fired? I I'm questioning if he's really Brian Cashman anymore. <laughs> The 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 bet now Pedro Feliciano came back and said to Warden that that sort of hurts that you said that because uh, and now I'm going to strike out Ike Davis and point to you and stuff and it was he said it good naturedly uh, Pedro is a uh, an affable guy uh, I don't think he took it personally I think he took the money and ran oh, <laughs> like yeah. yeah Yankees eight million sounds great two hey, years Pedro, yeah no problem Pedro, I'm why fine you, dude why? I'm fine. <laughs> Why are you signing that contract with your right hand? <laughs> you're you're a left-handed strange. specialist. <laughs> strange. Why don't you take? Why is that jacket over your left arm? I, As if like the Mets do not have enough negative press going on. They need Brian Cashman being basically like a bully. <laughs> yeah, know? kind of. Like like, I, I, and I just I I appreciate. The, I, I'm glad that Warden said something back. You know, one yes. of the best, the best tweets I saw about it, though, Cal, and this is so true. We've talked about this for years. Uh, somebody was like, uh, said, yeah, I didn't see Brian Cashman tackling Joe Torre when he was bringing in Scott Proctor every day. 
<laughs> like Joe Torrey, Scott Proctor probably has nightmares where he right. sees, and in that dream, he sees Joe Torrey coming to the mound. Right. And signaling to the bullpen. And he's out in the bullpen in a cold sweat as Joe <laughs> Torrey puts his left <laughs> arm on his right forearm and signals yeah. for Scott Proctor. And then he was traded to the Dodgers. So <laughs> Tory left the Yankees after running Scott Proctor out there every day. Right. Every day. That's like when, you know, when you're trying to flee from an attacker or an assailant <laughs> and you and you change your identity and you you start a new life in a new city and then all of a sudden your assailant pops up at the Starbucks. That's right. Like, hey, guess what? Here I am. Scott Proctor was in a witness protection program <laughs> somewhere in Arizona him. in a Starbucks, and Joe Torrey walked in. Oh, oh look, I just moved here. This is great. You're getting the band back together. You're going in. How's your arm? You're, you're going in, and I need four innings out of you. It's crazy. But but Cashman is just off the reservation. Yeah, he's he's gone. Egon has gone bye-bye. Uh, I, so I had to mention that. I could not let that pass because, no, you know what, Ryan Cashman, take it easy, guy. I think he's trying to get canned. I love it. But but it's kind of like, again, it reminds me of Seinfeld when George Costanza was trying to get <laughs> fired from the Yankees. He kept getting promoted. That's right. The next thing you're going to see is Cashman driving the World Series trophy around tied <laughs> to the back of his car, a la Costanza. Uh, we're going to be bringing in Matthew Cerrone from MetsBlog.com in a couple of minutes. Um, and uh, but uh, Cal, let's go around baseball a, a little bit. We had our we had well we had our fantasy draft on uh, Saturday night this past Saturday night, which was yes. delightful. Always is. Always is. Always. Fun time. I will I will tell you though it's it's always a little um, you look forward to it so much. Right. And and it's just like the highlight of the year for us, and we and we can't wait and. And then in the immediate moments following the draft, you always – I feel like, well, that really was not what I was looking forward to. That was anticlimactic. Yeah, and I'm not happy with my team. Well, that's what, that's what gets you. There's the immediate yeah. phone call. Right away. Dr. E. Ray. Oh, him. He's call home. Yeah. Somehow Dr. E. Ray sat, uh, who uh, hopefully will be joining the podcast a little later on in the show tonight. But uh, – and we, we are – we are uh, have been remiss, Cal, to not mention who we do have behind the glass helping us out tonight. Oh, yes. Pop Culture PJ is behind the glass helping us out in a production capacity. He's literally behind a piece of glass, too, which is kind of odd. is holding up a piece of glass <laughs> the entire time. Just to simulate. Exactly. And uh, so thank you, Peach. We really appreciate it. Um, but it, Dr. Ire manages to call both of us immediately after the draft. And it's right like away. 12 o'clock at night, you're in your car, you've been out way too late. Yeah. Like you told the wife, oh, it'll be done by 1030. Yeah. 1030, I'll be on my way home. At it's 11.45. Right. That you can't even make the call to say you're on your way because she's fast asleep. That's right. It's a text. And, then you, and you'll deal with the ramifications the next day. Correct. And Dr. E. Ray is immediately on the horn with you. And he, he does the best post-draft analysis. He breaks down a draft. Uh, he's like equal parts Mel Kuyper, uh, you know, uh, what's his yeah. name? Jay Billis. I mean, he's he is all over a draft. Yeah. And he has your team broken down immediately. I don't understand well, how he does it. 
and you you don't even realize who's on your team at that point. Cal, and he, I, and he three, knows. There were three guys I was missing. I know. I was like, I was really unhappy with my outfield. And he's like, why? You got Adam Jones? I was like, I got Adam Jones? Yeah, what, even, what happened in there? I was, like, I was like Farrell debating in old school. <laughs> like I blacked out talking to Carville. I had no idea what was going on. And apparently I got Adam Jones. My, I got like seven outfielders. And he knows this. And he wound up with four second basemen. That's right. Which he which he can't live with. He's just so upset about that. That's right. He he is running the uh the Mets uh tryouts at second base. <laughs> I said I said to him today, I said, you can't really have tryouts on a fantasy team. I said, because there's only one spot. You can only play one guy a week. Uh, and and everybody has a second baseman, by the way. Oh yeah, he can't he, even trade he, one. Absolutely no. This is going to be a season-long problem with him, by the way. He he needs to trade two of them, and nobody needs one. That's so. correct. I don't know what's going to happen. So our fantasy draft was fun, but I I say let's take a look around the league. Sure. Uh, what are your surprises, Cal? Who's who's obviously the Red Sox at zero and four. Zero and five going into today, I thought. I thought they were zero and four, and they were losing tonight three to two at one point to the to the Tribe. Oh, so then maybe they, maybe you're right. Yeah, they I think they were zero and four. Okay, so zero and four. They were they were a surprise. Tampa Bay at zero and five, huge surprise, losing all five games at home. Yeah, not and losing Evan Longoria. And losing Longoria, just really really strange. I never expected to see that. Um, Texas five and zero. And of course the Orioles starting out. You know. Yeah, I I read a stat. 5-0? They were they're five and zero. Yeah, I read a stat about Buck Showalter. They were 30... Oh, I'm going to get the numbers wrong. But they were like 32-70-something and 70 something last year when he took over. Yeah, they were silly good. Yeah, I mean, no, b- before he took over, they were before, horrible. Yeah, but, they, but they, they, they were like 15 or 16 games over 500 after he yeah, took they, over, right? Yeah, they had, they had won like 32 out of 100 games when he took over. Right. Um, and in, in the games since then, you know, like the last 60 games of last year and then the first five this year, he, they, he had already won... Like thirty-seven games, right? Exactly. You know, yeah. I have a buddy, uh, a real good friend, who is from DC, and he is, you know, sort of vacillated between rooting for the Nats or the Orioles, and they've both just been so bad. And he liked that the Nats sort of came on board. He was living in New York, and he's been he had been living in New York for like the last six or seven years, and now he just recently moved back to DC. And so I texted him after they swept the opening series, and I was like, "Break up the O's." And he texted back to me, it's not show friends, it's show Walter, all right? Okay. Break up the birds, no way. It's not show friends, speaking of Jay Moore. Right. It's not show friends, it's show Walter. But Buck has uh, invigorated down there. Yeah, he's. I, I think they've all bought into to what he's selling. And, and they might, you know, it's early. And, and that's that's the theme of all of this. It's early. It's too early to worry about the Red Sox. It's too early to print out championships for the Rangers. It's it's too early for any of that. It's but, not too early to write off the Astros, Cal. Uh, maybe not. The Astros <laughs> almost. It's not that early. It's not that early. But but just going back to Show Walter, I think like I said, they've 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 all bought into the you know, they finished the season so strong last year. He had a year now, this was his first year running a camp down there. Right. Um th- And he went Rex he went Rex Ryan, Cal. He did go a little Rex Ryan. By the way, somebody on our favorite afternoon uh, drive talk show, uh, somebody picked up on that. We had said that uh, two weeks ago, and somebody called up and said that. Yes. Interesting. 
Yes. They, no, they picked up on the idea that Showalter went a little Rex Ryan. Right. Well, yeah. Well, you know what? Up, shake up the organization. They've been losing for 12 years, 13 years. They haven't had a winning season in like 12 years. Right. And he came in there and he said, I'm not afraid of the Yankees. I'm not afraid of the Red Sox. You know, took a shot at Jeter. Not... You know, and he, and he, but he basically went out of his way, Buck Showalter, to to uh, go Rex Ryan. Is that that's like going rogue? It's kind of like he kind of went Rex Ryan light. <clears throat> well, everything is Rex Ryan light, Cal. <laughs> yeah, he didn't he didn't really go crazy like Rex Ryan, and he wasn't negative. You know, pretty much anything short of saying we have the greatest team of baseball players ever assembled in the history of mankind. Right. Is Rex Ryan light? That's true. Because he actually said that last week about the Jets. Uh, yeah, the, the, he's the Babe Ruth of uh <laughs> It's of a great assemblage of football players, of footballers, the world has ever known. Right. Can he start making those declarations in this sort of dastardly voice? Can he start doing that? No, because it doesn't work. He has to, he has to be like the bumbling goofball making those declarations because everybody laughs at him. I see. I, I want the twiddling of the mustache now. I want like, this would be the greatest team <laughs> in the history of mankind. Right. PJ right. Snidely Whiplash. That's yeah. correct. They're, they're going to bring Raleigh Fingers in just to coach the team so he can make proclamations like that. That's, that's his exactly. His mustache. That's, you know. So you have some surprises there, Cal. Uh, I think there's uh, – a couple of teams, the, the the Brewers got off to a bad start. I know I was on this program when we were doing the over-unders last week saying no, I, I loved the Brewers. Yeah, loved. loved the Brewers. And they started out 0-4. It's early. Uh, they won last night, Giovanni Gallardo. Gallardo. He pitched good. Yeah, he pitched a complete game. Uh, and and, and the, the early theme in Milwaukee is don't throw it to Stonehands. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't put that game in the hands of that bullpen because that bullpen stinks on ice. Uh, but, uh, you know, a little surprised that they got out of the gate slow. The Reds get out of the gate fast. Right. Uh, you, you look for fast starts, slow starts. I know you, you know, you're absolutely right. It's early, but I think there's certain teams that are showing a little bit of their colors early on. The, the, the Cardinals are a team that's showing a little colors early on that I think are going to struggle. Um, well, I, th- I think the specter of Pujols is, is going to hang over them all year. Absolutely. It really is. That sounds like a Scooby-Doo episode. The specter of Pujols. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, no, I totally agree. I said that to you. I thought they were an under team uh, from their over-under because I feel like the contract at some point has got to be a distraction. The guy wants $300 million. You know what You know what I love? And I'm, I'm going to segue real quick. I'm taking a, a sharp left here. Okay. About the, first, about the first week of baseball. Okay. First week of baseball, they always offer the extra innings package. On uh, well, on Directv, I have it, but yeah. a lot of the cable providers they give you the first week free of extra innings. And I was watching a Royals Angels game on Sunday. Royals Angels. Why would I ever watch a Royals Angels game? But it was fun, and the Royals won on a walk off. Yes, it's a walk off. It was a walk off, but it was um, it's fun, and I and I just I love jumping around the league and just checking out a couple innings of each game at this time of year. Yeah, it's early, it's early, but you get a, you get a flavor of of what's going on around the league. Totally agree. Totally agree. And I find myself I I can find myself watching a game like that at eleven thirty at night after the Met game's over on the MLB Network. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know, I was watching uh, Kershaw on opening night. Right. Against the Giants, filthy. 
Well, how, how, how about what happened? How about what happened to that Dodger fan? Oh my God! Oh, that's a terrible story, Cal. It's a horrible story. We've talked about it too. We have talked about it on the show that they. Ugh, I get. I, I get. Yeah, I don't mean to bring it, it down at all. No, no, real, real quick, real quick. I was the Giants fan. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was a Giants fan in Dodger Stadium. Right. It, it was a, a situation where a, a Giants fan. I, I believe he's in a coma. Is that correct? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, was attacked outside of Dodger Stadium for being a Giants fan uh, after that game. And, and just another example of uh, he's in a medically induced coma. Thank you, PJ. Um, it, just another example of, like, guys, it's sports. It's yeah. sports. This should never happen. Uh, it's, it's, you know, basically he got beat up because he was a Giant fan at a Dodger game. And it was right. a Dodger game. Yeah, I know. I mean, don't expect. I'm not being facetious, like, but you, I, I was shocked to hear well, you, the participants. Well, you lived out there, so you know, you know the culture. Absolutely, it's, it's surprising. You want to laugh though, Cal? I went to yeah. a Met game there, um, and uh, it, uh, the friend that I went with was friends with John Franco. Okay. And so it was the day of that John Franco found out he needed arm surgery. Okay. okay. And he was in the bullpen. He was about to be put on the DL. And we sat out in right field next to the Met bullpen. And so we were talking with him and stuff like that. I, I got to speak to Al Leiter before the game, blah, 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 and warm-ups. And Franco was talking to this guy that I was friends with, the mutual friend, and talking to us. And we were there with like six or seven guys that all knew John Franco from back in New York uh, because they knew the Mets bullpen coach. And Johnny Franco, really nice guy, obviously extraordinarily affable and stuff. And it got to be the seventh or eighth inning, and uh, somebody was mouthing off to Franco. Uh, Dodger fans were screaming at Franco about how he was washed up, he was this, that, and the other thing, blah, blah, blah. And his friends that I'm sitting with are getting incensed. Incensed. They're going crazy. Uh-huh. One, of the, one of these kids was like a six foot five, 285 pound kid who had played football at St. Anthony. Wow. And was this big, huge kid. Uh-huh. And. They're yelling at Franco, yelling at Franco, and he like he had the Popeye moment. That's all I can stand. I can't stand them more. And he went after him. Franco I, or the no the kid. No, this guy. Yeah, this kid. Okay. He's probably like twenty, twenty one. And I held him back. How? I was I mean, everything I had. Everything I had, I'm holding him back. Right? And then security comes down and these Dodger fans were young Dodger fans and they were right. really belligerent. Really wow. belligerent. And this kid was like a gentle giant, so you wouldn't have expected it. Yeah. The Met bullpen is watching this, you know, and they the security takes these guys out. I managed to hold this guy back, and now we're talking to the guys in the bullpen, you know, down to the guys in the bullpen, and they're cracking up. Yeah. And Franco says, you look like a dam holding back a river that had no chance. <laughs> no chance. They were like laughing about the fact that, you know, I'm six one, you know, whatever, one eighty five and this six foot five, two hundred and eighty five pound lineman. And I was like Jeff Van Gundy holding onto his leg. You know, Alonzo Morning's leg, like holding him back. And they were cracking up. They were absolutely cracking up. And Franco said, I didn't think you had any sort of chance. But he was he was like, you know, it happens all the time. Guys don't get excited. Yeah, but it's you know, just, it's just sports. Don't get excited. But but you know what? That it's just it's not the image of a Los Angeles fan. No, you have not at all. It's not. 
you know, and, and when alcohol gets involved, Cal, you know, I've seen the Jets in seven stadiums. We've talked about that. I've seen them. Oh, on, yeah. You know, this giant fan apparently wasn't doing anything other than wearing a giant jersey. And, you know, it's just, it's it's a sickening thing. And hopefully, hopefully, you know, hopefully this guy winds up being okay. Um, you know, but it's it's really, uh, a, a really a rough thing. So, Cal, on that note. <laughs> no, I, I, I but we, we do want to uh, now welcome to the program. He's the founder of MetsBlog.com, SNY's MetsBlog.com. He is also a uh, preeminent blogger. Uh, on SNY, and uh, he also does some uh, speaking, Cal, about how to turn an online hobby into a career. Uh, Tell us to... of that. Yeah, absolutely. We may have to talk to him after the show. <laughs> uh, but no, he's uh, he's Matt Cerrone. And uh, Matthew, welcome to the program. Steve Pietro, Brian Calvi here. Welcome to Ready to Unload. Uh, nice to talk to you guys. All right, Matt, uh, Matthew, right? I'm sorry if I call you Matt. I have so many Matthews in my life that I screw that up a lot. But... <laughs> either either way is fine. Excellent. Well, Matt, welcome to the program. Uh, let's get this out of the way. The game tonight, uh, down 7 nothing early. Mike Pelfrey gets knocked around again. Uh, his velocity is down, but this team, in a very gutty fashion, uh, comes back to tie it up at 7 um, Blaine Boyer then gives up the uh, the go-ahead runs, and they wind up losing 10-7. Uh, what did you see tonight that you liked, and what did you see tonight out of Pelfrey that is really a warning? I I really like what the offense is doing. I mean, the, the batting order really looks comfortable. They look prepared, uh, which shouldn't be a surprise because Terry Collins probably used the word prepared a thousand times during the offseason. Um, you know, and it, it's pretty clear to have a game plan up there, and I, I think it's impressive. They're taking a lot of pitches, it's it's not just for for uh, the sake of taking them. Like uh, it, you can tell from watching these these first few games that they're paying attention. They must be discussing it. They're making adjustments because the next time through, they're they're producing, um, and so that's really encouraging because Bay's not even in the lineup. I don't think Beltran's 100%. Um, you know, so if they can get all those parts clicking and they can continue to do what they're doing, I mean, that's very encouraging. Uh, on the other hand, Pelfrey uh, has been a complete mess these last this start and in, in on opening day. Um, no idea what's going on. He just looks flat. His, his delivery looks kind of slow. He has absolutely no bite on any of his pitches. Um, he's just throwing batting practice up there, and guys are teeing off on him. And I don't know if it's the pressure of being – you know, the de facto piece at this point, um, if it's, you know, lingering fused from the sh- uh, shoulder issue that he that he reportedly had last year. I, I don't know what's going on. If it's psychological, if it's physical, whatever it is, he needs to start making some adjustments to uh, get back on track. Yeah, Matt, it's Brian uh, talking now. I, I was going to mention that to you about Pelfrey. Is it that he's hurt? Is it that it's in his head? I mean, he's he's notorious for being very hard on himself and and you know he's been questioned his men, his mental toughness has been questioned but tonight he was pitching against Joe Blanton so it wasn't that he was matched up against the other team's ace he was just pitching against the number 5 starter for the opponent so i, I don't i don't know what it is do you think that he's still hurt cuz that to me it looks like he might be hurt i don't think so i mean you know he it, that doesn't seem to me to be the issue. I mean, he, he, it looks more like it's his approach. It looks like it's his delivery. It looks like it's some of those things. I mean, who knows how you compensate? So uh, there's really no way to know. Um, 
you know, the the opposing pitcher never really plays a factor. I, I've I've never met any of these. I've never met one of these guys who ever discusses the opposing pitcher. The, the you know, the concept of an ace, even to a certain extent, is something that we we talk about. They're, they they really really buy into this idea that you know every day they're the ace because they're they're the guy in the mound. Um, you know, they have a job to do. They prepare a particular way. It really doesn't make a difference who's who's standing on the other mound or on the mound when they're not. Um, you know, it's about the lineup they're facing, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. So I, I don't think that, that should factor into it. If anything, it's just the pressure of trying to make up for uh, lacking Johan Santana or, or feeling like somehow he's being asked to, you know, pick up the slack, which is really not the case. I mean, that, that there's five right. guys in the rotation. They all have a job to do, and really that should be the way he's looking at it. But, uh, you know, I think the bigger issue, like you're saying, is physical. There's really no way to know that. Um, you know, he says he's fine. He's, he's told reporters that he's fine. Um, you know, we'll see what happens in the next start. I mean, I, I don't see him making – I see fundamental things not happening during the game. He's not making adjustments from batters to batter. He's not throwing in on guys. He's not changing eye levels. His, his mechanics look slow. I mean, there's all those kinds of things that are going on um, that doesn't – to me doesn't indicate an injury. Uh, it's more execution – He's gone into these funks before when he's healthy. So, you know, I, I just think it's – I do think it's more mental, but I think it's more execution. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a tremendous amount of – it seems like arm drag. It seems like he's not following through. Uh, it looked like he was short-arming the ball a little bit. He's always had the problem, Matthew, of of not having a, 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 a traditional out pitch where he's able to put guys away. I know – I felt like in the opening uh, game of the season, he looked a little to me like John Main. Like it reminded me of the old John Main days where he would get two strikes and then guys would just be able to foul off that 92, 93 mile an hour sinker and he wasn't able to put guys away. And I think that's what was worrisome to me coming into tonight. And then tonight it just looked like his velocity was down. It looked like he was short arming the ball, not bringing his arm through. I mean, that's why they obviously have Dan Warthin and, 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 you know, they can go back and look at the mechanics and see if they can get that fixed in a bullpen or something. But it, it's just, it's a little disturbing uh, from the Met point of view because they do need so many things to go their way. And we're, and we're going to get into that uh, in, in just a second, but they do need so many things to go their way. And Pelfrey being uh, a reliable, consistent starter, not even an ace, but just a reliable, consistent guy is such a big part of it. Yeah, I, I do. I mean, you know, look at Chris Young, right? Like I think that's, and I think Ojeda, Bobby Ojeda said this on the SMY post game. Like that's the game that Pelfrey right. should be thrown. I mean, yep. you know, and, and hopefully that rubs off on him, or maybe they talk about it. Or I, I have no idea how that works, but like, <laughs> right. you know, I think it was pretty clear looking at, at Chris Young that like the height, uh, everything else, you know, that splitter that that he's throwing. I mean, he's yep. got. He, it's the same game. Like, <laughs> just take his playbook from last night and do that. Like you'd have been fine, but. So I don't I don't know how that happens, um, you know, uh, for him. But I, I think you, you do that. I think Pelfrey's fine. Um, as far as you know, as far as finding an ace or developing one or, or whatever. I mean, I, I think they'll be okay. I mean, again, I I, I don't see I don't really have a big of an issue with this pitching stuff. I think it's fine. Um, you know, if the offense is going to do what they're doing and they're going to catch the ball and 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 be effective you know, uh, getting the ball back in the infield and they're, they're going to play good, sound baseball. I think the pitching staff will be fine, especially in city field. Um, you know, the bullpen, I could see coming and going. 
Um, <laughs> you know, you, Blaine Boyer looked great one night. He, he, he gets, you know, shelled the next. I think it's going to be a lot of that kind of stuff, mixing and matching. My guess yeah, is they if, always they're do. In in, if they're in contention through the summer, I think you'll see these guys trying to find ways to plug those holes more than the rotation. Because, you know, I mean, I think, again, if Chris Young is going to do this, now I don't think he's going to, you know, let up one run in seven innings or six innings every time he pitches. But if he's going to be that effective, he's going to, you know, pitch his game, he's going to be fine. Um, yeah. We haven't seen Capuano yet, so, you know, who knows. But the rotation to me isn't that big of a deal. And I, I do think Pelfrey will get it together, assuming he's healthy. Uh, just going to, you know, he just, he's got to go back to the drawing board. Matt, you know, it, it's early. It's the first week in the season. But the Mets, everybody agreed, needed to get off to a, a fast start to kind of stem the negativity that had surrounded this team. And, and you heard it in the media. And all winter long, they were the butt of, of jokes and it was like every little thing that the media could twist there in a negative way, they did. And it culminated with the, with the Jason Bay situation just last week about, you know, oh, same old Mets, here we go again. It just feels like there's been so much negativity around this team. And, and I had two questions for you on that. Number one, what do you make of all of that negativity? Is it fair? And number two, you're around the players. How do the players react to that? Do they let it get to them at all, or or can they get past it? Is it true when they say, well, we don't read the papers, so we don't really follow what's going on? Well, they don't have to read the papers. They're standing there with the reporters, you know? So, like, those guys are asking questions. They know what what the tone is. Um, You know, they listen to WFA and ride into work. Um, You know, there's – there aren't necessarily newspapers in the clubhouse all the time, but they're definitely at the deli to go and pick up a bagel in the morning. And they're running into people on the street. And, you know, it's it's unavoidable in New York to kind of know the atmosphere. And, hell, you just, you know, stand in the middle of the field and you're going to hear, you know, 20, 30, 40,000, you know, fans booing you. So they're aware of what's going on when things are going badly. So, you know, a lot of these guys, not all of them, but some of them were here last year, the year before. Uh, you know, they they know the deal. Do you think, though, that, uh, Matthew, that they'll be able to tune out the Madoff stuff? I mean, the Madoff situation, uh, you know, is out there. Obviously, uh, they, these guys have said that, that it's not going to be a factor. But uh, do you think that they'll truly be able to tune that out? Oh, I think we lost uh, Matt. So hopefully he'll call back in. But Cal, we were talking about, um, you know, Matthew, and, and uh, hopefully uh, give us a shout back, please. But um, and we'll uh, we'll finish up the interview. But Cal, we were talking about uh, the idea, and I think that was actually. Uh, oh, there he is. I'll just grab him. Hi, Matthew. Sorry about that. I think we got disconnected. Oh no, no worries. Um, I was I was about to I was putting out sort of the negative uh atmosphere that can be created uh in New York. But I think one of the positives is Terry Collins. I actually think he does a really good job in talking to the to the media uh, right. in giving guys credit, uh pointing things out when he makes a mistake. He's been doing it all spring, uh again in regards to preparation, but you've seen it so far in, in some of these post games. And I think that stuff helps. Uh one of the things I, I witnessed firsthand with Willie Randolph was, you know, Willie would dismiss and not really say much. And he thought he was doing the right thing by being evasive, but what ended up happening was all the reporters would then scurry into the locker room and try to get their quotes from the players and start to press them on questions. And it created a very uncomfortable situation. I think with Terry, you're seeing him answer everything, maybe even more than he should. And that takes a lot of heat off the players. I think little things like that will help. But you're right, winning 
is going to is going to do the you know is going to take care of it. I mean, coming home, a uh, win tomorrow night, and coming home, you know, um, four and two to start the season, I, the home season. I think you know fans are going to react more positive, and I think they know that. And I think they know that winning is, is ultimately what's going to cure this all, and uh, all those tactical things really aren't that important. Right, and I, and I think you you've you've talked about this or, or written about this quite a bit on MetsBlog.com, and you've talked about how Sandy Alderson and Terry Collins. Uh, seem to be the the absolute right fit uh, at the right time for the Mets. Uh, Sandy Alderson, a, a professional, a well-respected, uh, you know, revered sort of executive. Terry Collins, sort of a no-nonsense guy, high-energy guy, going to go to bat for his players. I think that's absolutely imperative for this this club this season where they are because of the negativity surrounding the club, because of what they're going to have to face as far as the Madoff situation. Uh, my question, Matthew, to you would be, again, you're around the team a lot. Um, in your gut, in your heart, do you feel like the Wilpons are going to be forced to sell this club? Uh, we, re- we heard a little bit about today, read right on MetsBlog.com, about uh, Bud Selig being on with Mad Dog and talking about how he didn't feel that they were going to have to sell the club. In, in, in your gut, Matt, do you feel like they are? I think they'll take on an investor. I think that's going to be step one. I mean, I, you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me to, to learn that the, the minority investor wants some sort of um, right of first refusal or something like that. I mean, my guess is that's going to be difficult to negotiate. And, um, you know, but I think they'd be fair to ask. I, I Honestly, and I mean, I, I mean this from the bottom of my heart, I have absolutely no idea. I, I don't take right. my cues from the team. Because who, the, who knows what they're saying, why they're saying it. When I talk to legal experts, when I talk to, you know, very reputable uh, bank city, when I talk to people who work, you know, partners at financial uh, investment firms, uh, you know, people who know the business, who knew the situation, who know, you know, people who lost money to Bernie Madoff, you know, people that have tried cases in, in this none of them will comment on it because they right. will say to, to a man, I don't know enough about this. So if these people won't comment on it, I'm not exactly sure why I or other sports writers feel qualified to weigh in on something that is way, way out of our, our league. Um, right. you know, yet I, they, yet but, they all do. <laughs> of course they all do because they're in the business of conflict. Right. Um, and so I understand where it comes from, but like, I just don't think it's, I, I wouldn't want to be that presumptuous, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they take on a minority investor if for right. no other reason, it's just smart business. I mean, I don't care if yep. you're being sued for $10 billion. I'm not sure why anybody would want to be on the hook for 100% of the team that's losing value. So, yep. you know, the Steinbrenners own 30% of the Yankees, so I don't know why the Wilpons insist on owning 100% of the Mets. I mean, it just seems kind of nuts. So, like, from that point of view alone, I think it makes right. sense. To let, you know, in addition to raising some, you know, capital to pay off some debt and, and handle some of these other things that are going on. So that's going to happen. I, I just, you know, who it is, who knows? It's, it's not going to be a big name. It's going to be some collection of, of very wealthy Mets fans, probably in right. banking somehow. And I think that'll be a good thing for the team. I think it gives them a little bit of a different face. Um, you know, it's good for the, for the financial end of things. And, you know, hopefully it gets them into a better position. And then what happens after that, you know, with, with the court and with the league and everything else, I, I, we'll, we'll see. 
All right. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with you, Matthew, and that's a, a great perspective to say. And I think it, a, a right of first refusal uh, would have to be there. I mean, you would think for a minority partner to get involved, but um, and you're listening to Ready to Unload with Callan Sam Pete. We're talking to Matthew Cerrone from MetsBlog.com, and we want to, uh, Matthew, talk to you a little bit about uh, your blog and a little bit about how you got MetsBlog.com to where it is. Um, it's, it's. I've been reading it for years. Cal's been reading it for years. Um, one of the things that I uh, we have spoken about on this show is, is the idea that blogging has become more and more important and more and more of a research, uh, resource for people to go to on a daily basis for coverage of their team because uh, maybe they feel a little more comfortable that if there's negative news out there about their team, they're getting it from a fan and not from a uh, perhaps newspaper person who has a different agenda. But uh, you've turned uh, MetsBlog.com into, into something pretty remarkable. Uh, I know you started it when you were in college. Um, how did you uh, basically, or did you have any idea that it would really turn into something this big? Uh, no, I mean my my goal was to just keep doing it and and uh, use it as a as a really fun way to waste time during the day <laughs> and not too much. Um, you know, but uh, you know, it, people kept reading. Uh, it was a great outlet and a great way to sort of keep track of what was going on with the team. I, I was living at a market down in D.C. at the time, so, you know, it provided a really fun and uh, interesting way to kind of stay connected. And, you know, as the site grew and I started to learn more about the, the technical end of things, um, you know, the readership kept growing, and I, I decided to, to take a shot and, you know, make it a full-time job. And, and you know, to, to say that uh, is kind of funny because it really wasn't, uh, paying uh, through advertising and whatnot to to really uh, keep it going, but it was it was worth doing. It was worth sticking it out and and seeing how long I can I can make it last. Uh, and in that time, I partnered with uh, SNY, uh, which is the team's television network, and you know we we've been able to do really great things in terms of really growing out the traffic and and increasing the type of content uh, and all that kind of stuff. But um, no, I never in a million years thought that I would be doing this. I love every second of it. I love that that other fans appreciate. The best part of the whole thing is to know that that you know so many people, uh, you know, enjoy what I'm doing. Uh, I enjoy it. I'm glad they do, and, and so it works on all sides. Yeah, and, and Steve and I definitely enjoy it. We we love what you do. We think you do a great job. You do a real great job of balancing uh, news with with opinions and being critical of the team while while staying positive, which is something that you don't really see in the media these days. It's one or the other. It's they're you're ultra positive or ultra negative, and I think. You and a lot of other bloggers just, you know, you kind of keep it real for, for us fans. And one of the things that I wanted to ask you about is I've noticed, especially with, with Sandy Alderson coming in, the team has been much more open to bloggers. You know, we've read on, on, your, on your site about the conference calls that you've been invited to, and, and they've allowed a lot of access to bloggers. Do you think that things are changing in the scheme of, of overall baseball, or is this just a, a Mets thing where they're recognizing that the bloggers are more of a connection to the fans? Um, I think it's a, a, a league-wide thing. I think it's sports in general. I think it's it's Major League Baseball loosening the reins a little bit, and I think it's the teams uh, recognizing uh, what it can do for them in terms of communication uh, directly with the fan base. And, and I think the Mets in, it's in, uh, specifically typically have been a little guarded, a little apprehensive uh, in terms of sticking their neck out. Um, you know, every time they lead with their chin, they get knocked out, it seems like. So I understand their hesitation, <laughs> yeah. but 
you know, I think they realize that really that's the best way to do things. Um, you know, they exist in a town, like I was saying earlier, that really uh, the media is conflict-driven. I mean, mo the media in general, mainstream media in general is, but New York media in particular. Um, you know, and the Yankees are winning, so it's easy to pile on the Mets uh, and find conflict there. And so, you know, you notice that with, with a lot of the post-game stuff. They, they, you know, when the Mets win, it's what the other team did wrong. And, you know, it, it, it can't possibly be that the Mets just played really good that night. No, no, it has to be that, you know, the other team is terrible. Um, you well, know, they're an so easy target. On the, right, we'll focus on the negative. And, and so I don't blame the teams for saying, you know, well, let's just try and leap over these guys and get our message out directly through fans. Um, and I think that's smart. You know, it's also, if ever there was an organization that needed a little bit of transparency, it, it's, it's the Mets. <laughs> um, you know, you want to bring fans in. No, seriously. I mean, you want to bring fans in. No, you're right. Possible when you when when you're when you fear that you're losing fans. You know, bring them in. Um, get them yeah. as close to the situation as possible. And and I think they've done a really really good job with, with that stuff. And sometimes it, it can come across. I can see where some people feel, oh, it's real marketing. It's real, you know, phony. But it isn't. It, it's you know a picture of David Wright taking batting practice or a conference call with Sandy Alderson so that you know, fans can ask questions, you call it what you want, but at the end of the day, you know, um, you know, Greg Prince from Faith and Fear and Flushing is asking a question of the general manager. I mean, you, yeah. can't, you can't dress that up any other way. So, like, I, I think that stuff is great. I think it's had an impact. Um, again, they go 0-162. I don't care how many conference calls they have, people are going to be pissed. So, you know, <laughs> you you got to win eventually, but I think – this type of thing helps, and it makes the experience a little more rich. Yeah, I thought I, I, I was laughing there because I thought you were going to say something that I uh, verbatim what I had written in uh, our, my notes for, for our interview, which was about, you know, right now the Mets are in a perfect storm. They need good PR, and, and, and bloggers, they're not getting it from the newspapers. They will not get it from their beat reporters, but they probably can get it from, from the bloggers who are actually fans of the team and have much less of an agenda you know, in covering the team. And the question that uh, somebody from that you're going to ask or Mets girl is going to ask or uh, of Sandy Alderson is going to be a better question than I'm probably going to get from the beat guy who's got an agenda and needs to sell papers. I don't know if it's going to be a better question. It just may be, may be a question that uh, is more interesting or more uh, relevant. The fans well, I, I mean, I, right. I, I think, I think, I think it's going to be closer. It's going to be closer to what I want to ask, you know, sure. as a fan. I mean, and, and, and look, I mean, I, there, there's a role for, uh, you know, the, the the writer from the New York Post and the Daily News. Like, they're they're going to things in a different way. They're going to ask questions that that you know that may need to be asked on other topics and things that maybe we're not thinking of because you know there's only so much. There's only so many questions that that we right. can ask. So I think there's there's room for everyone, um, but I do think, for instance, the, the guy from the Philadelphia Daily News, I think the other day wrote the beginning of the Mets Philly series about how you know the the Mets and Phillies aren't rivals. Right. Uh, well, that's, that, yeah. well, that that's wonderful and everything, but one, the last, I, you know, why don't you leave the fan stuff to us and you guys take care <laughs> of you know sort of how does he know? Uh, right. Sure, maybe in 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 the context of those two teams and, and however you want to judge it, that's fine. But I know that I can't stand Phillies fans and I'm pretty sure they don't like me. So like, <laughs> why don't you let us determine those kinds of things? So the, the point I'm making is I think there are, there's a role for all of us. Um, 
five, ten years ago, there there was only one. And right. so now I think we can kind of have this this uh, better conversation that includes fans and includes reporters. Uh, in some cases, those two groups talking together. Um, I don't see anything wrong with it. You know, this is supposed to be fun. It's sports. We're, we're, we're you know, it's an outlet. We're all having a good time. Um, you know, there's no Amen. reason to close. There's no pe- reason to close people out. You know. Yeah. No, I I I wrote a a piece for our website today, uh, Matthew, uh, on about how uh, the state of you know sports talk radio is is rough right now because of the negativity and because of also the sort of condescension within the host. And uh, you know, basically, Cal and I started this show because it's supposed to be fun. It's not politics. It's not religion. It's sports. You know, the only the only facts that you can report are who won the game. You know, everything else is opinion. You know, talking about well, it, and, and it, and it's supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to be uh, this end of the world sort of thing. And you know, I'm a, I'm a. Uh, it's interesting. I, I I go back and forth on on the role of the beat writer. Um, you know, because the reality is those facts we're we're gonna see. I'm gonna watch the game. I'm gonna right. hear Terry Collins after the game. Um, you know, all that kind of stuff in some ways is mechanical, and and those facts are there. However. Uh, to be told of the season. There are things that go on behind the scenes. There are personalities that, that exist that we don't necessarily get to see through the television. There, there are, there's a, a role for those reporters, for those writers, for oh, context that I think is important uh, you know, for the game. I just don't know that it means having one guy from every newspaper following the team every month, you know, every day of the year, telling me who went over three. So, like, right. you know, I, but I think that's for the newspaper industry to figure out. And then I, I also think there's a fan conversation and fan questions uh, that clearly have a role and that can be, that should be, and now the tools are there to have them reflected. And, and you know, it just makes the whole experience better. I mean, the, the reality is you and I 15 or 20 years ago would have had the same conversation just at a sports bar. Now we have it on Twitter, and we have the ability to bring Josh Poley in, you know, on Twitter. So, right. you know, it's all the same thing. It's just a larger extension of it all. And, and it, to me, it just makes the whole situation more fun and more entertaining. Matt, Matt, I just got one last thing for you. As we talk about, you know, you talk about there's a role for reporters, there's a role for, for bloggers. What's, what is the relationship between the reporter and the blogger right now? Is it, is it a contentious relationship? Is it one where the reporters are accepting of the bloggers kind of entering that space? Can, can you talk a little bit about that? I, I, I think... I don't know that we're we're at all threatening to them. I, you know, I think in the beginning it was easy to sort of assume, well, you know, Matt Cerrone, Matt's blog is the reason that, you know, uh, the, the, the newspaper industry is in trouble. But I, I think they realize that that's not necessarily the case. It's, it's their editors. It's the business people in charge of the newspapers. It's, it's giving things away for free for a decade and now deciding they don't want to. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's a lot of that kind of stuff. And, and I think they understand the business. Uh, that they're in has made some mistakes, and, and that's just the way it is. And I, 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 when when I show up with a press credential or the team credentials, you know, 15 different bloggers for a night, and we can all ask questions. Or, you know, an interesting scene for me during the off season was um, at uh, I can't remember what the event was at City Field, and you know, the, the the Terry Collins came off whatever he was doing, and he he talked to the beat reporters for five ten, five us for five or ten minutes. Um, you know, it was interesting to see that. Um, you know, I concern the beat 
beat reporters, but I think like we talked about in that other question, I think they understand we're not necessarily asking the same things. Um, you know, I'm not looking to report a story. You know, I, I want to know why Terry Collins, you know, uh, bunts in certain situations. Uh, you know, fans are asking kind of more larger questions. The reporters are looking to write stories about this specific thing tomorrow. So we are doing different things, and I, I think the reporters know that. I think they know how we all coexist. And I don't sense that same tension in maybe even a year or two years ago. Right. Well, Matt, uh, we're just about out of time. I really want to thank you for coming on the, the program with us. And uh, once again, it's uh, metsblog.com, SNY, brought to you by Verizon. Uh, and uh, Matthew, really, thanks so much for coming on. Maybe you'll come on again with us later on in the summer. And uh, we'll talk some more about Mets and blogging and stuff. And uh, in the meantime, please keep up the great work. Cal and I are, are big fans, and uh, and thanks so much. Absolutely, guys. I enjoyed the show. I apologize for having to uh, call in a little later than than we hoped, but I appreciate it. And uh, anytime you want me back on, I'm I'm happy to. Uh... Great, thanks, Matt. We'll talk to you down the line. All right, so that was uh, Matthew Cerrone. Uh, and no need to apologize, Matthew. It's totally cool. We're 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 flexible here, Cal. Yeah. Well... <laughs> We're flexible. It was, fine. It, was yeah. fine. it was great. It was great to have him on, though. He he really has a lot of insight. You know, he's he's one of us. He start that's he comes from being one of us. Yeah, and, it's, and he's turned his hobby into a full time job, and he has the access to the team that that is just really interesting to us. Yeah, I hope we weren't you know at all sycophanty there, Cal, because we, I I feel like and and we've been reading the guy for years. We've been reading his blog, and then you know to see it get picked up by SNY, and to see him actually create the model uh, that that exists now for bloggers to cover a team and basically do it uh, in a a sort of smooth way. You know, like it wasn't like you know, it was like metsblog.com just started. Oh, and all of a sudden, like sponsored. What? Yeah. You know, and you were still going there, getting the same information, and you know well, the same. The thing, as nothing's said. changed. Right. He hasn't changed a thing about it. Oh. He's been credentialed now at SNY. Uh, he's got Ted Berg on there. They do the baseball show. There's audio clips. There's all kinds of stuff. And again, like I hope we didn't sound like you know teenage girls, but you know for the Beatles. But wow, how old am I? But for the Beatles, <laughs> for the Beatles. <laughs> I was gonna go Bee Gees, but no. I, hey, the bot. The bottom line is that every you know that's that's my first stop every day. I go to Mets blog. That's, that's right. where I get my information, and that's and that's kind of like how fans are getting their information these days. They're going more to these blogging sites with these really great writers that have access to the team now. Instead, That's right. of going, instead of going to the newspaper site where you always wonder whether, you know, what kind of shot is the reporter going to take at my team today? And you know? also, Cal, that where you have to pay now. Where you have to pay, exactly. You know, I can't read Newsday online anymore. I can't read Newsday online anymore. I'm not a subscriber, and I'm not going to pay for that online content. Right. You know, so it's still free, and it's in many ways, you know, sort of better coverage for, you know, the Mets. Now, if you're a Yankee fan, maybe you go right to the Daily News every day. You don't care. Well, the other thing is that, you know, we follow these beat writers on Twitter. And yeah. they've taken this approach. And I don't, I don't know if they're trying to be funny or, if they're, or what kind of – I don't know what their intention is. But they're all very snarky on Twitter. Yeah. So if, if that's the taste of their writing that we're getting from Twitter, why would we pay – to, to look at the rest oh. of their writing on a website. Well, yeah, I mean, we talked. You know, right, we talked about this, Cal. The, you know, the buffer is gone. 
I mean, right. Twitter with with Facebook with instant updates and stuff like that. The buffer that the beat reporter had is gone. Right. And I understand that there are times where they have to write, uh, be the quote unquote beat reporter and tell you what happened in the game. And there are times where they where they get paid to write opinion pieces, and they get paid to write what their opinion is and and you know editorialize or column you know be be a columnist for a day, especially when there's not a game. You know, I I mean I got all over. You know, Joel Sherman is a columnist. He's not a beat guy. Right. You know, he gets paid for his opinion. Unfortunately, his opinion, in my estimation, is negative wrong. every day. <laughs> Your opinion is wrong. wrong. This is what we were just talking about. There are no wrong opinions. It's just sports. Right. But it, sometimes his opinion seems to be negative for negative sake. Right. And and, and, and like uh, – And that's why – you know, I'm sorry, Kyle. That's what I wrote about today, though. I don't want puppy dogs and, and rainbows and, and – right. Sunshine and everybody's having ice cream sandwiches because like, like Matt that is like Matt Cerrone had just those are very good, very. But good. like Matt had said when we were talking to him, they're in the business of 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 creating a react of generating a reaction. They're trying to get a reaction from yeah. their audience, and that and that's that's what they're trying to do. Well, they're in a dying industry. It's, yeah, you know, I mean, newspapers are a dying industry, so of course they're. I, you know, that's one thing that Matt you know talked about that I think has probably gotten better this year. You know, he said it's gotten better from even last year to this year. But it must have sucked, Cal. Yeah. I mean, it must have been very difficult for him to walk in. The into, you know, I'm not saying he had it so rough or whatever, but in the beginning to be a credentialed blogger, yeah. you know, newspaper reporters are a different breed. You know, well, to and- walk into that press room as a blogger, and 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 be probably afforded absolutely no respect. Right. You know that it was nice to hear that things have improved because he probably had to eat a lot of crap sandwiches. You know the first time, uh, and of course the old line is you know that's the way to a sports reporter's uh, you know beat reporters hard is your, your face spread. Yeah. <laughs> you know you have nothing to lose but your bar tabs. But uh, you know by writing badly about it. But, uh, you know, it must have been extraordinarily difficult. Now he's got, you know, backing. The, the, the Mets are, are credentialing a lot of bloggers now, sort of through him, you know. Right. But, uh, it, you know, it, it, it's very, it was very interesting to talk to him. I'd be interested to have him on down the line and see how this new Met regime is doing. And also, he, you know, he's, he was honest about the Wilpon stuff. You know? Sure. Well, you know, like not everybody is uh, is qualified to talk about it. You know. No. And, and you know what? Again, newspaper guys. Uh, see, I didn't agree with Raceman when he said that, Cal. Uh, Bob Raceman, who's a, who's a New York Daily News uh, media cri- uh, critic, a sports media critic, where he said that this season they shouldn't talk about, you know, the media shouldn't talk about Madoff. You know, it should be about Mets baseball. Well, how can it's you part know? Of the story. It's part of the story. It's part of the it's part of the you know what's going on with the Mets. I mean, I I could see Gary, Ron and Keith, the Mets booth guys not doing it every day. Of course not. No. no. You know, I can also see people not pontificating on it that have no absolutely no background to know what they're talking about. Right. But it's part of the story. How do you expect Joel Sherman not to write about that? It's a huge part of the story. It's not yeah. no, it shouldn't it's not the story. No. You know, and it shouldn't be the over, you know the overriding story of the season. But you're going to see it pop up at the trade deadline. Yep. You know, and, and, with and with Reyes, and with Reyes, and with Reyes, exactly. Right. Exactly. Well, Cal, do we do we have time to take this very special caller here in the podcast? We've got three minutes left, so 
if you can keep it quick. Technically, technically we have three minutes left. But no, we, let's take him. We absolutely have to. Let's put him on the air. There he is, the man, the myth, the legend, the Swami joins us. Uh, hello, Jeff. Very, very quickly, coming to you from Augusta, Georgia, awaiting the Masters. The I Masters! Well, of course, there are other sports in life than, you know, the one with the stitching on the... Never mind. I feel, the like, I, I, feel like, I feel like I just made a big Thanksgiving dinner and forgot the cranberries. Well, <laughs> listen, why don't you get your new best buddy, Matt, to come back on and, and forgive you for forgetting about the Masters? Hey, you That's, guys really didn't sound like little girls. Well, thanks. You sounded, like high, school, yeah. you sounded like high school guys. You know, I mean, I think Matt is great. Honestly, I mean, I enjoy his show, and I and I think he was nice enough to, uh, you know, come on and talk to you guys. And even though this is a sports calling show, uh, and I, I I was trying to count how many times you guys used the word credentialing, very difficult. And I did work. notice that Matt Matt was talking about the wealthy Mexican buying the team. I don't want to take any personal offense at that, but. Uh, well, the Mets fan, he said, Swam, Swam, Mets, Mets fan, Mets no, fan, no, not, not Mexican. Anyhow. <laughs> he did not say <laughs> Mexican. Yeah. Where is PJ? Okay. PJ? PJ's working behind the glass, Swam, he's supposed to be bleeping this. Oh, We're listen, gonna I got to tell you the truth, it's really great, and I think you guys are on the right track this year. Uh, don't get too carried away. There used to be a guy named Jeffrey Clout who used to do a blog uh, called <laughs> Expos Exposed. <laughs> up in Montreal, and and you know what happened to that franchise? Yeah. Now, Swam, you're coming to us quickly from the Masters. I can't yeah. believe. Well, I, I'm not on the I'm not out on the links right now. I'm having a beverage with some of the uh, the caddies, uh, you know, in in, in, a, in, a, in a hotel. Are you having an Arnold Palmer? No, I'm having a <laughs> margarita actually. But, nice. Uh, nice. Uh, who do you like in the Masters this weekend, Swam? Oh, everybody is knocking, knocking the big guys. I mean, like, you know, there was an an article written about is Tiger becoming a kitty now. I mean, like, whoa, a lot of bad stuff going on here. <laughs> a lot of I bad. Mean, I, I think I, there are so many new people out there that are talented and can really show something. I have a tendency though to go with nostalgia, and I think you're possibly going to see someone with a name. Uh, taking this whole event, someone with a name, as opposed to I mean, with a symbol. Well, I mean, you know, a <laughs> Is name. Prince in this, a no. named player. I see. I see. Do you like uh, Lefty in this one? Do you like uh, Phil? Phil, Phil, to me, is Mr. Clutch. You know, yeah. not so much. Uh, not I, I think he'll give a good showing. He's got his green jacket ready, which of course they can only keep for one year. They have to give it back. Yeah, it's a rental. I know. And it's a loaner, actually. That's right. Yeah, they just give it back to him. But uh, now there's there's a bunch of great guys out there, and the the conditions down here are are great for the you know for the tournament. And I think everybody's going to be happy, and you know, with with the uh, level of play. I personally, (laughs) I get I don't even get a chance to get on the course because I, I. you know, my financial bracket, I have to stay in the parking lot and try and park some cars to make. <laughs> You're wearing but, a green jacket, too, but it's a whole different green right. jacket. It, it's a, <laughs> it says valet on the back. But uh, nonetheless, you guys are doing you guys are doing marvelous work with this uh, this entertainment medium. 
And we do realize that it is an entertainment medium. It's not to be taken seriously. That's right. That's right. No. That's right. We're it's just we're like just a, a, just a couple of buddies having some fun. Swamp. Exactly. I mean, think about the poor people in, in other places around the world, such as Japan, who are sitting, you know, with a uh, Orville Redenbacher, uh, you know, uh, popcorn thing on their table, hoping it won't pop by itself. You're, you're, they have you're, problems. You're killing. They too have soon. problems. Too soon, Swamp. Too soon. <laughs> Save that material for the roast. <laughs> <laughs> Swami, uh, well, will you call it? Will you call us back next week, and we'll talk about the Masters? I certainly will, but I, I want to make a prediction now. I, I you yes, know I, I, I like to go out on a limb. Uh, I have a I, I I think this just comes from a gut feeling that someplace between now and the last game of the season, the Mets will be involved in a no hit no run game. Oh, will they? Do I, do I dare ask which way? Yeah, no, you may not dare. <laughs> okay, then I won't. <laughs> okay, don't. Let history play out itself. <laughs> it's a good idea, yeah. But Swami, you heard it here first. Swami, you got I'm any... Certainly th- glad, one, one last comment. I'm certainly yeah. gra- glad that, that Reyes has gotten over his thyroid condition fully. Yes, you, you were very concerned about that last year. I was last year. I had a really uh, a tough time swallowing it, actually. Yes. But, uh, uh, Swami, yeah. you, got any, you got anything to plug? No, nothing at all. <laughs> no? You, I have you nothing right. to plug. You got like a workout I'm, video coming out or anything? Or no, no, I'm trying to get uh, uh, Matt to to give me a call uh, <laughs> when he's not doing his blog, or and just ask him how how did it feel to talk to Cal and San Pete? Yeah, I'm sure yeah. he's I'm sure he's gonna write all about it. <laughs> well, you never can tell. Don't yeah. forget Jeff Clout exposed, exposed. You know, I mean, like it, it could have if it could have taken off. It could have taken off, exactly. Swam, we'll talk to you soon, pal. Thanks. Hey, guys, keep your powder dry. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs> we haven't talked to the Swami in a while, Cal. Yeah. And uh, he was uh, raring to go tonight. He may, he may be faced. He could be. <laughs> you know, you wonder sometimes about that guy. You wonder sometimes about that guy. Now, uh, Cal, we should probably wrap up, right? Yeah, a- I think uh, yeah, we're getting to the point. I, I, I want to... Real quick. Yes. I, I wasn't talking about this on the air though. Okay. But before the game before before we went on the air, we were watching the, the Mets game. And I had some pretty strong words about Blaine Boyer. You did. Right? Okay, and his beard. Yes. Didn't like his beard, didn't like the way he looked. <laughs> not one um, bit. Not one bit. He looked, he looked Amish. That's his big bushy red beard. And not in he a good had way. A, not in a good way. He had a horrible outing. And when they interviewed him in the post game, the beard was gone. He shaved. He shaved between the end of the game and the and the interview. <laughs> he knew how ridiculous he looked. And who says baseball players are superstitious? <laughs> well, that is uh, all the time we have on the show. I want to thank our guest, Matthew Cerrone, from MetsBlog.com, SNY, and uh, sponsored by Verizon, for joining us and talking to us about the Mets. Uh, and also thank the Swami for giving us a call in. And a big, big thank you to Pop Culture PJ for uh, uh, stepping in and doing a fantastic job producing the show tonight, being behind the glass. The PJ Cachopo? No, who do you think we're talking? PJ Valente? <laughs> uh, Cal, final unload. Final unload. Congratulations to PJ Valente for winning the Ready to Unload Invitational Challenge, the NCAA tournament. Invitational Challenge? Is that what it was called? <laughs> 
I don't know. He won the tournament. He won the he won the challenge for the NCAA tournament. PJ Valente, congratulations, buddy. Be sure to check out our website www.rtusports.com, uh, where you can download a blog or a uh, podcast of this show and other shows. My final unload is this: baseball is back, and it tastes so nice. I just love that it's back, and I I love that the Metropolitan are not as bad as everybody thinks they are. Give them a chance! And uh, Tiger's going to win the Masters. Cal, I'll talk to you next week. Good night, Steve. Good day, sir. I said good day. Good night, everybody.